0: Welcome to Keyframes, a podcast about anime. I'm your host Ben Halliburton and with me today is Just Duncan. Just little me, hey all. <laughs> Another classic Ben and Duncan solo, yet not a tween because we are in fact the pillars of this yeah.
1: anime podcast. We're, we're, the, we're the last last five survivors, Ben, the last brave souls who marched on through a season of <laughs> unrelenting mediocrity. Uh, there were some high points, but yes, it was a pretty yeah. bleak one. <laughs> And before we go into detail about uh, some of the, the things which did make it to the end, I, I'd like to salute the fallen shows <laughs> who just did not keep my interest to the end because they were just a bit dull, frankly. So, uh, <laughs> Oh, no. Boring anime? <laughs> RIP, RIP, saving 80,000 gold in another world for my retirement, who spent three episodes Talking about how to set up a party. That's just too much. You were dumped. Next, Epon again, which had a fantastic uh, bit of animation and a good cast in its first few episodes, and then hit an animation drought where there was just banning shots. Please, one I can manage one episode of this, but if it's two, I'm going to drop you. <laughs> and it was two. And I, I, it may have been more. I don't know. I never went back. Um, <laughs> then there was The Fire Hunter, which was a Maroshi weird. Post apocalyptic fantasy show, which I watched just because it's not Isekai, it's got a story director, it's got a different art style, and uh, it just kind of fell apart at the Hemes. It was a, a very, very messy show. It was one of those where it had a lot to say and a lot of lore, and it seemed to be rushing to cram those into as many episodes as, <laughs> as
0: possible um well, you gotta make room for lore if it means compressing the character development and the plot events gotta yeah. make room for some lore i mean the h- high point was i got lots of uh kenji kai uh
1: music which was uh typical mm. his like drifting through places solemn majesty and yeah that, that that was good that was worth watching for but it just wasn't enough have to keep me watching and finally finally the the most beloved fallen one here is he, which was just too nice ben yeah. the, 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 it turns out in, but you in, like nice i do like nice but it it turns out when there is absolutely no threat that also means there's no drama nothing happened it, Apart from people being nice to each other. And it was just like, it's your time to shine. No, it's your time to shine. No, it's your time to shine. No. It turned into a
0: children's show, even more so than anime. No background guy number 23.
1: (laughs) It's your turn to shine. And I'm afraid that was it. It was your time to shine somewhere else. Yeah. And and sadly, that means. uh, we we now move on to the first show we're going to talk
0: about, which is one you seem to dearly wish you could have dropped. Well, see that's the thing. I mean, <laughs> we're going to talk about Trigon Stampede. Uh, for some people, the uh, the crowning jewel of the winter uh, twenty twenty three anime season. I, I would like but to like, tell our, our listeners one thing before Ben starts: is that oh dear, who our discussion of
1: this. I've noticed a shift in Ben's uh, language around it. When we started talking about the show, it was Trigun. Now it's just Stampede. <laughs> ben will not use
0: the word Trigun to describe well, the got, show in chat. I, I got tired of calling the 1998 anime the original anime, and then so yeah, I just okay. So, longtime listeners of this podcast know that Trigun was my first anime that I watched knowing it was an anime, and I really can't think of a better way to get me interested in anime. I mean, of course, showing a 17-year-old boy um, any action, sane, and sci-fi anime is going to draw him in. But specifically, like, Vash's pacifism, the fact that we built this entire show around... A character who refused to kill and the show was built around understanding not only what sort of a person would choose to be a pacifist, but what what sort of a being would it take to be a pacifist on this like planet full of fuckers who just love to kill and fight and discovering that like that was the kind of stories that anime could tell was what really drew me in and made it sort of become a hobby for me. And so, like, don't get me wrong, I wanted to like Gun Stampede a lot. I I was grumpy about the CG art, but I knew that, you know, Orange was a well-respected studio. I was really worried about what Yasuhiro Naitao, the creator of the manga upon which both anime are based, how he said that they were going to make it a more Marvel story, and boy howdy they did, but I was I was mm. ready for it. And it just like and even in the first few episodes, again, y'all know me, I'm a complainer, but I was really open to the idea that we would know who Vash and Knives are from the very beginning, and it would be a show more focused on this clash between antithetical ideals, two super human beings trying to trying to reconcile absolute pacifism with absolute genocide. But instead, what happens is that uh by introducing Knives so early is Knives is just hanging around for the entire show. He's just there commenting on Vash's actions, giving uncharitable interpretations that never get challenged, not even till the fi- not even in the final fight, the last few episodes, when Knives, someone who has tried to kill humanity before, is trying to kill humanity again. Um is trying to overwrite his brother's personality to turn him into an object that he can use to impregnate every plant on the planet to create a new race of super beings that will wipe out humanity. Like, he he lays out his plan. The show gives so much room for, for, for us to understand why Knives wants to kill all of humanity. And then literally, Vash is like, I don't know. I I just feel like it's, it's good not to hurt people. Yeah. And Knives says it took you a hundred years to figure that out. And it's just, I can go into like the, the, the smaller stuff. I can go into Roberto De Niro being an utterly obnoxious font of exposition. I can get into how after the first episode, Vash does not make a meaningful decision by himself. It's either Wolfwood or knives or even Merrill actually making the important choices. I can go into like the flaws of storytelling, but like it just, there's no point because because it's just, it's such a disaster and mm-hmm. the episodes themselves are well-made and beautiful. I think there are too many chases. I think there's not enough, like not enough, mm-hmm. like cool dialogue. I think there's way too much lore and not enough characters, but like that feels irrelevant to me. It's a show that has no thematic or moral core. And I really didn't want to hate it, but I do. I absolutely despise it. <laughs> Please take over for me, Duncan. I think I ended up, not far
1: off you, because I think initially I was of the the opinion like, okay, maybe they're trying to talk about about what he's doing, and and they're mix, mixing up in their storytelling pacifism with passivity. In the original, he goes to these extreme lengths not to kill someone; these incredible trick shots, which we basically
0: get one in the entire series, which... It's a great one, too, the, the shooting the rocks so that it hits yeah, all they, the cluster
1: they, they bombs. They with that, <laughs> and it was great. And unfortunately, that tricked us, making us think, oh, maybe they've just forgot about that. But no, they hadn't forgot about it. They, it, it wasn't a mistake. It, it was a decision. Um, yeah, yeah. It, it, it was a decision that the, the heart of Vash
0: isn't pacifism. It's, like, literally running away. One of the incredible things about, I think, the original Trigun, and to a lesser extent, the manga, and like, granted, I'm not a huge manga fan. I don't think Naito really knows what's great about Trigun that the anime captures. It's much more, his manga is much more epic. Um, It's much more concerned with Vash as this vessel for suffering. The impressive thing is almost his Christ-like ability to just soak up punishment as opposed Mm -hmm. to his, his ability to to proactively like to to make pacifism an active choice where he is not going to simply try to minimize other people's actions. He will proactively counter everybody, even in the early episodes of the anime where he's flicking rocks and coins to deflect bullets so that no one gets shot in a vital area. And yeah, that's ridiculous. It's kind of stupid. It's like as much as I can complain about Vash becoming a giant tree and then the tree getting shrunken down into a glowing purple Marvel cube, like they're about the same level of silliness but one is in pursuit of like telling us who vash is as a person and i have no idea who vash is and trygon stampede
1: i think the original plays into that silliness it knows that it's absurd like that he is going to like that absurdity is is the key it, it's going it would be so easy not to do this like He's going to such ridiculously absurd lengths to to make these things not happen, to make everyone walk out of of this situation, and the body count is considerably higher in the new one. Yeah, they are just killing people left, right, and center from episode one, and in the original, it's like, what is the price of? Heroic pacifism, whereas here it mm-hmm. he seems to take the attitude that
0: heroic pacifism is impossible. Um, it's a mistake. It's yeah. every single character tells him that he's making a foolish choice, and we never hear the other the other uh, side of that. Not even from Vash. He can't explain, and in fact, we're told by several characters that what he that it's guilt and cowardice that makes him a pacifist. That it's not it's not because he made a decision. Or because that he's trying to honor his mother figure by carrying forward her ideals and like it's tr- it's tragic sure in both anime it's tragic in the original one because because she's given him an impossible task and it's they by the by the mercies of late 90s anime they have 26 episodes to explore uh, this this sad, quixotic character that Vash is, even though he's extremely funny, and man, is the old anime funnier than the new one as someone mm-hmm. who watched the first eight episodes um, before this podcast. Like, I'm sure I'm going to be told that I can't move past uh, the original anime, but I don't think the anime itself, the the new anime, Stampede, can move past it either. Like, we end the anime setting up basically the set of circumstances that the original anime and the manga begin at it's, it, it constantly is borrowing images and plot beats and remixing. There's a sand steamer that's out of control again. There's motive of the Gale shows up, and God, we spend so much time on his on his weird ex- like genetic experiment backstory just for Vash to refuse to kill him, and then Wolfwood rolls up and murders him anyway. Sorry, Vash, you thought you made a decision, you're wrong. Wolfwood's the main character now. I just, when you, when you choose to make an action anime with a pacifist protagonist, whether it's Trigun, whether it's Like Horace Recoil or Roroni Kenshin or Nausicaa, you're making a statement, and the statement has to be more than "Wow, this guy is playing on hard mode." I'm like, and what are we supposed to make of Vash in Trigun Stampede? No one he's helped is happy that he's helped them. None of his major decisions are his own. Knives repeatedly overrides both his physical agency and his moral understanding of his actions. When he's bid repeatedly in the final episodes to defend himself, he can't. Like, he can, the best he can do is like, hey, some people were nice to me. Please don't murder all of humanity. How is this meaningfully different from just a regular character yeah. who is not a pacifist? What it, What are we supposed to learn about the extremities of our moral choices from this anime. And and yeah, I'm I'm asking a lot because I think the manga and the original anime tackle it mightily. And I think they threw that all out to like give us a much more detailed plot that Knives has. And I don't care what the details of Knives' genocide are. I just don't. It's not important to him. The important thing is that Knives thinks we should kill all humans and Vash thinks we should kill no humans. And that's the meaningful conflict, not is is pacifism viable on a deep space future planet gun action world I don't know uh I'm just I'm getting mad I don't mean to yeah. I didn't mean to get mad on this
1: <laughs> You've got this moment in the final sort of chase scene between uh knives and uh Flash where Vash has grown his own angel wing and they're flying through the city chasing each other and he's like run away people run away don't shoot at me run away and it's like it's like And they're all there, oh, no, we don't believe him. We're going to shoot. And then Knives comes down and cuts them all up. (laughs) In any show where the fact that he just sits by... And he knows he's getting chased by this basically psychotic death machine with literally, literally millions of knives. Like, I'll give him credit. You, going, going, <laughs> going, and making millions of knives name literal top top that, job, guys. Uh, I have opinions that. about that. I'm not going to share. I, I, I'm not going to be in the negative Nancy on this <laughs> podcast. I, swear. I, I, was, I, I was, <laughs> Ben. They allowed it just for the 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 visual, the, for the shiny visuals in the first couple of episodes. Like it's, that- it's
0: the closest thing to a joke that the show has. It's it's such a humorless
1: anime (laughs) i don't think i laughed once during the whole thing but um yeah it's just like instead of taking any sort of action to defend people he screams at
0: them and they get slaughtered and he he must know that's gonna happen i mean that scene is literally i mean it's borrowed from both the manga and the anime but in the in the anime the original anime, Vash is trying to get people to to leave the town because it's going to get destroyed. And he's like, I'm the awful Vash the Stampede and I've chosen to blow up this town. So y'all better leave, run away and don't come back here because it's going to be a crater in a few hours. And like the idea that like Vash is, is, is more than just a helpless victim of circumstance where he just has like his own personal Satan following him around, ruining his shit, stealing plants and letting him get blamed for them. There's just no, there's no choice. Vash makes so few choices. All he can do is just say, hey, please do this. Or when like Knives is like overriding his personality to turn him into a big tree. Boy, I love saying that phrase. Uh, He's like, Vash is just like, wait, stop. No, I don't want this. Like he doesn't do anything until Meryl comes and she's like, hey, Vash, why don't you try fighting back? And Vash is like, oh, okay. And then he stops Knives' plan instantly. It's just, it does such a poor job of, giving us characters making decisions that have a meaningful impact on the world the only character with any appreciable agency is knives and his plan is to murder everybody like we don't need to understand his reasons to the degree to which the show just lavishes attention on his multiple stupid plans to murder everybody and Mm. forcibly impregnate non-sentient beings to create a race of super uh, and they even introduce a
1: a character who is who is basically the avatar of a sentient alien hive mind
0: and and like zay is it Zazy or zaley zaley uh it's Zazy in in the original but that that sounds a bit more like a, a 90s like children's show character zazzy's good because uh i am such a
1: terrible memory for names if i can remember zazzy <laughs> i'll keep it we get this one moment where she's talk about Meryl and Rob De Niro to, to Knives' base and is telling them his plans and saying like, okay, what have you got which is, what will you offer me, this literal hive mind to, what's the best this choice this, for me as an individual? Now, I, I know uh, like that, like that's that's just like, good science fiction should make characters who ask interesting questions and like, what the morality of a hive mind is, like you could write a good book centred on something like that, Um it, and instead, we just get someone who's like, "Yeah, what's in it for me?" Um, and that that, fe- that feels like the the whole show is just like so surface level morality, without any actual commitment to how it's
0: going to shape these characters. Like they're all just like, "This is my morality speech." And and to a certain st- extent, I understand that it's it's hard to make a genocidal villain have a plan that doesn't make you immediately dismiss them out of hand and on a very abstract level i appreciate that they really tried to make knives's plan re- a reasonable reaction but like it happens at the detriment of vash the actual protagonist of this anime when they discover tesla's children in the manga um It's horrific. Vash tries to kill himself after he after they find Tesla. Vash's reaction in this anime, nothing. And then later on, when Knives is like, humans have enslaved plants and they're killing us, Vash is like, "Uh, well, they need plants to survive. Horrific. That's our protagonist. When he's asked to make a moral stance, he he demurs and proves Knives right in every criticism of Vash's behavior. I was flabbergasted. At how badly they botched the reveal of Tesla, that there was an independent before them, that they were tortured and dissected until they until they started to die of tumors, and then they were frozen. And that, like, Rem has to hide these two boys because she knows that humans will do that again. That, that dichotomy is a profound moral dichotomy, that there's one person's goodness can shield two beings from an entire species' hatred and cruelty, and... There's nothing like that in Trigun. There there are so few moments of compassion besides Meryl looking after a catatonic Vash at the end. I just... I'm going to be accused of just being unable to distance myself from the original anime, and that's true, but I don't think that Trigun Stampede ever succeeds in distancing itself from the original anime. It's saying all the same things, but worse... It talks a lot and says very little i just i i could not believe that tesla reveal i was like people were excited people like finally we're going to see because that reveal was cut because it hadn't been written yet in the original anime Mm -hmm. but like we're going to finally see it animated and it's just it's it's just a character moment for knives vash doesn't even get to participate (laughs) it's it's uh, I'm just, uh, I want to move on. I'm getting like flushed. <laughs> <laughs> Granted, that's... it's probably the cup of coffee I drink, yeah. but I'm also like angry. Uh... Let's, let's,
1: I I think we were going to go on to one thing, but I'm actually going to uh, say we should move up. I, What I think we should maybe talk about here, Ben, is a different show, which actually also uh, had a character going through an arc towards finding his own form of pacifism, which is Season 2 of Vinland Saga. You know I was very hyped about this season, as its manga arc is one of my favourite little tales within the canon of an author who I I really enjoy pretty Mm -hmm. much everything he does. And so I was quite nervous on the first episode when we we talked about this, because I don't think it's doing a disservice to say that its budget was lower this season. That um, there were definitely shortcuts taken, and the f- the first season of Vinland Saga certainly had an ability to to paint a uh, a stunning uh, medieval backdrop. Even if occasionally it did spoil it by having uh, Thorfinn do a Naruto run. But <laughs> season two is about a man being forced to confront his own violence and. I'm not sh- sure if I. It, this is being me being a bit cruel to it in I'm I am conflicted on whether Ina is just a particularly well suited weapon for that for forcing that confrontation on uh, Thorfinn, or if he's a, kind of just a blunt f- force storytelling trauma, uh, where it's just like, here we'll, we'll, we'll we will f- force you to actually live day in day out with someone who is the very image of the people whose suffering you have caused it's it
0: it's effective but i i wonder if it is is a bit bit crude hilariously i think we've switched positions since the last season of inland saga <laughs> i know i was really frustrated with how they would reshuffled a bit of the plot to like make certain characters more or less uh important um i i felt that the, that even though it was well made it was indulging in a lot of the fetishization of 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 violence and cruelty that often happens when people try to depict the medieval era and if you go back to the beginning of the season you can see me very guarded about how they're depicting the experience of medieval slavery of of mm. fellow europeans how that looked but uh after the first few episodes i felt like it's it's got it's picked up wonderfully um Watching Thorfinn emerge out of this like protective shell that he's built for himself, just because it's it's the same, it's honestly the same thing that that Trigon's reaching for with Rem and the the twins, uh, that that like it just takes one person's kindness. It takes one person being a human to you, and you can you can change a person's entire life uh, with that. And watching. This decent man who has every reason to to hate mm. Thorfinn and tries to kill him horrifically by strangling him in the in the uh, manger they both share uh, as their house. Like watching him just rehabilitate Thorfinn by just showing him a life that is not full of violence. Something that even Ashkilad, who's who's clearly in that one scene where Thorfinn dreams being sent to hell, like is clearly. Whether Thorfinn likes or not has become his mentor and his example, and now we just have this this regular dude from England who's just like, yeah, I like farming. It's great. I miss my family. They're all dead thanks to people like you. And and yet they find a friendship and like watching friendship, watching culture be built. When we zoom out to the farm that uh, Thorfinn's working on, watching the different generations of this family, yeah. the father, the grandfather saying saying what what use does a man have for more land than he can defend, and then the father be just just wants to like grow food and be prosperous, and then both of his sons are just violent dickwads because like you watch these values get stripped away generation by generation. I think it's I, I find it tremendous. I've, I've enjoyed it enormously. It's It and Sarune, which we'll talk about in a second, have made me much less charitable to Trigon Stampede because it's possible to tell these stories. It's possible to tell extremely interior stories. And anime's interiority, the constant narration, um, the way that they can often use like, hyper-real elements, intrusions of ripples in Sarune, uh, Thorfinn's hallucinations in, in Vinland Saga, we can, we can build this really like rich psychological environment that they exist in. And I've, I've really enjoyed and watching, watching Canute, who is a lesser element building up to like ruining Kettle's farm. Like he's got, like you can tell he's going to gonna confiscate these lands and destroy a prosperous man who only, who, you know, cares for his slaves. I mean, I, I, I know, I know slave master of the year, but, but, but still like, I think Kettle and his family are are just like amazing
1: characters is because you get this man who's as you say he's he's the sec- he's the first generation who's who has just existed to sort of perpetuate his local status quo. His his father worked to get the farm to the state where he is. And now Kettle is just just about growing as much as he can. As you say, he shows kindness to his slaves. But it's a selective kindness. It's a kindness yeah. which benefits him. It it's he lets people earn their land back because they will work harder. But when there's a, a a female
0: slave he takes a liking to, she doesn't get a chance of finding her freedom. And we also see that a lot of his mercy comes from cowardice and that he is that they even briefly show like The difficulty of being a kind and gentle man in Norse society means that you, you disqualify yourself from authority for that. And so like watching him give a merciful judgment to thieves who've, who've stolen from him, it's because he doesn't want to hurt someone, um, and has to frame it in, in like the power structures of the time. I think it, it it it's not just that there are good masters and bad masters. It's not that the older generations are right and the younger generations are wrong. It's just it's the way these values mutate over time as wealth and power uh trickle down, accumulate in the hands of a few people. I, I know I was kind of a mixed bag on the first season, but I've I it, it's to the point that I don't even like it'd be nice if we got to the 12 episodes, We're recording this a little bit early because uh, of scheduling complaints, which is why we <laughs> can't finish Sarune or the first core of, of Vinland saga. But like, I don't need to, I I know, I know where this, the show is going and it's, it's, it's shown me a very firm hand after the the first couple episodes. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I've, I'm, I'm very, I'm very happy with it. I was kind of dreading more, more Vinland saga because I'm tired of emo Thorfin, but we don't have emo Thorfin. We yeah. have like, Burnt out thirty something Thorfinn. He's
1: literally he literally grows out of it. Like
0: yeah, he he grows out of his
1: his his emo phase. <laughs> um, let, let's talk now about a show which has grown into its its neon <laughs> nice. phase, which is uh, USA Yatsua. I think coming into this second core of it was like, well, it kind of seems okay. It's very pretty, lots of neon uh, pastel colors and. Mm-hmm. That's about it. He seems to be introducing a new character every single week, Ben. Like, <laughs> when's this gonna stop? How big is its cast? How big is it? What? That—that's too many people. And then it's and seems... they still haven't—they still haven't introduced a lot of them, also. Uh, yeah. so. <laughs> but it does seem to have pulled back a little bit from that. And we're getting to the stage where I am actually looking forward to episodes.
0: Yeah, I think that early on I really struggled because I because I think that the again. Oh no, Ben's stuck in the past with the (laughs) original anime that's being remade. But like, there's like a a leisurely, almost slice of life pacing to the original series because they have 196 episodes of time. They don't need to hurry through any plot. Um, And I think that the remake was really struggling from trying to like rush through all these character introductions to get that same place of, I wouldn't say stasis, but I guess like balance, Mm. uh, just like a a nice like easy field of characters to to enjoy and to their credit uh i think they've reached it i i still think i like the og better because i think it just is so thoroughly of the 80s that the 80s pastiche that is the modern show just can't quite reach it there i understand everyone's saying that that loom's hair is better and in, mm-hmm. in the new one and i agree but like I've never been an art first kind of guy, but no, I'm, I'm, I'm the same way. Um, I don't necessarily look forward to an episode, but I'm always happy to watch one. And I always end up enjoying myself more than I expected. And yeah, I don't think it will, (laughs) it'll supplant the original only for people who haven't watched the original, I think, but um, that's fine. That's the way of life. And like, yeah, it's, I think it's matured into a perfectly worthy remake. Uh, in sharp contrast to Trigon Stampede, the gold standard for disappointing remakes, apparently. (laughs) Uh. One of our
1: our points in the first season was I think Andy brought up was like this is a really scumbag main character and it's it's really hard (laughs) to ever uh, root for him in any of the stories it tells, but we've actually had some stories where he isn't where the supporting cast is established enough that they can go have a tale about an extremely passive aggressive sister uh, <laughs> or yeah. a
0: extremely um how, how do we you describe everyone and... some kind of dairy, 100% yeah, oh yeah the, the 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 uh, the female otokonoko is i think what we is what we have going on here speaking of of things that belong in the 80s but uh but yeah no i I, I agree the same way. We call it the uh, the Monogatari series effect, where once you've introduced a wonderful cast of female characters, you can dispense with their the head of the harem and just have a, a woman a woman led comedy. Um, it's it's kind of weird to have to jump through that hoop, but once we get there, I'm fine. I think they're all funny. Like I think all when Lum hangs out with her like childhood friends and like. They just had this like awful toxic friend group that's very relatable. Yeah. Like the hot-headed the hot-headed one, the manipulative one, the good kid who's actually the instigator, that sort of thing. These are good characters and they're they're rich, and I think that's what Rumiko Takahashi is kind of known for, is these like gag characters who are actually like surprisingly real people. And I can complain all day about how it's much more effective to have Atario occasionally Act kindly towards Lum when it happens once, one ev- once every forty episodes instead of once every couple of episodes. But, nevertheless, it's the same dynamic um, tempts us to believe that Atara might be a good person when he very manifestly isn't. <laughs> yeah, so okay.
1: he's he's part of, part of the is, comedy. He's very
0: very clearly a
1: scumbag. Um, <laughs> speaking of scumbags, should so oh, we uh, now transition to uh, Andy, who is in a? a, a
0: a secret location on his way out of the country and he he's has to go into hiding because it turns out he liked Onimai so he has to be on the run
2: <laughs> oh hey Duncan glad that you could uh, meet me in my little bunker whilst I've been hunkering down for
1: my Japan trip um mm, yeah and not, it's, it's but... a bit shady in here Andy uh <clears throat> I'm not sure about this this dim dim light in these uh Rows and rows of dodgily thumbed through uh, uh, manga on the walls. Mm, mm.
2: Well, I mean, you've got to do something whilst uh, waiting for the police to stop investigating you for your anime choices of this season, um, which I have to say, <sighs> Onimai is annoyingly quite good,
1: I um, think is my overall take. I mean, the, the thing is, I, Andy, like, I you, think... you say that, but I, I think anyone... There's always with any media, the, 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 the thing that you should never judge a book by its cover. But when its cover says lolicon shower scenes, I think it's perfectly <laughs> legitimate to yeet that book right out of the picture. Yeah, that said, yeah. I think you have largely been right in your <laughs> initial assessment.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think my initial assessment was it's like it's going to go through like four episodes of pretty horny like shit and then it's going to settle down somehow, and I think it's going to be pretty good. And it feels like it did do exactly that. If you're forgetting what Oni-chan wa Oshimai is about, it's about um, a guy called Mahiro, Mahiro Oyama, who uh, is a bit of a shut-in, mm-hmm. and he, his sister, his younger sister uh, Mihari, then forces him to eat some drugs, which turns his gender, and then also somehow de-ages him, and then... Joins high school and then makes friends, and it's not so much about transitioning genders, but more about reliving a part of your life that mm, you didn't see have that. a good, didn't have a good relationship with. Whether that is because of your gender and you, and yeah. so really, what happens is she, uh, Mahiro, uh, goes back to school, has a cast of friends: Kaide, Momiji, Asahi, and Mio. It's a good um, little
1: supporting cast. They're, it's a really all...
2: good supporting cast. Um, and it's fun because, especially with Momiji, because Momiji dresses very boyishly, always wears like jeans and shorts, and really wishes she was more male or masculine.
1: Uh, something I realized that, when I was like just doing my character notes on, on the three of them is that they all. Don't conform in one way, like Mm. Mamiji is, as you say, she's, she dresses as a tomboy, but she still acts quite girly. She's, whereas um, Asashi uh, is very much a tomboy in action. later in this podcast, we'll talk about Tomo-chan and she is very similarly like high energy, you running around, doing sporty stuff. Mm -hmm. And finally, you've got uh, Mio, who we find out later in the series she's interested in girls rather than boys like that that was that little moment was handled relatively well it was it was low key but it was like yeah that's fine that's, i missed it i missed that point <laughs>
2: uh to be fair i mean it's kind of like she she always has fantasies of all the other cast kind of in yuri moments it's also kind of like yeah, a wink and nod at maybe the the audience to some degree
1: um mm. there's there's so many tropes about uh, yuri and within the context of anime and manga but mm. i i do think they kind of present it as something core to her. And they have this little moment where Mahiro uh, runs into uh, Mio in a, in a uh, bookstore where she almost c- catches some of her, her classmates uh, trying to sneak into the porn <laughs> section. And uh, Mio's like, oh, were you trying to get in there? And she's like, no, 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 no. What about you? And she's like, oh, no, 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 no. But I do like this section. And she's like, oh, that section. And and it's like, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, the
2: Yuri section, which is interesting because I don't, I didn't take that on face value as her being like into women. I took that as her enjoying the romance that blossoms between women as opposed to the, romance that is blossoming between a man and a woman
1: the the reason why i took it as as doing that is they have this little conversation afterwards at uh, a at, at the typical uh uh crepe stand uh, mm-hmm. uh as, as these things are like doing where they're just like sitting there and she's like i i want to hide this from other people i don't i i feel i don't want other people to know about it because i'm in, in, embarrassed what they'll think about me and my, my hero's reaction is like no that that's fine it's, it's okay that you you think like this and and like that's it wasn't it's never explicit but by the yeah. absolutely appalling standards of of Japanese uh, LGBTQ representation—that's almost a home run. Like it, it, it's yeah, sad. They don't need to be ambiguous. And I said, th- I think a lot, a lot of this conversation around this, whether this actually has anything to say as a show, is pin the air because the whole show is very ambiguous about exactly what the change in Mahiro's life from boy to girl is. That what's made her happy or this neat rehabilitation story it's also telling at the same time. Mm, yeah. Is it both even? Is it—is that her change in gender gives her a space to express herself in ways that was denied her by the expectations that one on her? Mm.
2: It never seems to want to focus on that as a core theming. Um, yeah. But it feels like it's very much just trying to be a a comedy because yeah. like there's quite a funny bit where she gets a, a like a ticket and then it's like what do you want to do with it and so she gets like her friends one of them to give her a back massage yeah, another just one just get to pampered to, like but like you could imagine the same scene in the sort of like a cabaret club in a yakuza game it's a male like doing like asking all these cabaret club girls to do it it adds that layer of skis knowing that mahiro used to be a man right by episode 11 the fact that, that Mahiro used to be a man is almost completely forgotten about. It's yeah. never really mentioned. It never comes mm. up um, to the point in which it's like, why why did you even start with that? I think I it's mean, very interesting that we never see Mahiro's like, male form. We only ever see her...
1: As I mean, a, we we see it in a like a long shot in a window when in the like on the first couple of episodes, like he's almost drawn like a background background character when they're yeah. talking about his past. But I think that the thing is like there's obvious trans analogies, and the, the root of the word trans is transition. It's it's not on off switch. It's a process, and we start with a lot of of jokes. About, And a lot of his attitude being based in, oh, God, oh, no, I'm now a girl to it just being something which is part of who they are. Mm. And I don't know, like, it's just so, so unwilling to take a a hard stance on how they feel about it. And maybe in this final episode, uh, she will say, I want to stay a girl. And that will be... Uh, a capstone but i i just don't know if it can recontextualize the whole whole season where they've been so so ambiguous about it yeah I don't know. regardless of they do Unelis it has been outstanding visually. Yeah, no doubt the sh- the show of the season in terms of the craft behind it. Do you have like any particular comments on that? Because I I know you you sometimes get into particular artists on like one of the, the things I remember seeing on on Anime Twitter is that the studio basically got sent supplies by its fans to help it get through a uh, crunch on an episode. Like they got like all these boxes of sweets and stuff sent to them. So there's obviously a lot of a goodwill towards this mm. production.
2: Yeah, so the production studio used to did the other one that they did was uh, Jobless Reincarnation, right? Yeah, and this is their first time they've moved away from mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. series. I think that the animation is, like you said, it's incredible. Like the, I really like how in when they are in um their school uniform it doesn't quite fit them it's very boxy it's very like large on them
1: yeah there's like little folds on on where it increases where it's it doesn't quite fit on the shoulders and stuff and that, yeah. that, that's that's really interesting it's actually drawn like it's a piece of cloth and an actual mm-hmm. physical object rather than just oh this is a template this I is meant- this is the the school girl class in uh in in team fortress six
2: <laughs> yeah and then also like the way that like it just it just doesn't fit them they look awkward in it and i i really like that and and then you just have it feels like every episode has about 5 minutes of etchy, trash which they feel like they just have
1: to put in yeah
2: it's feels like it's got less frequent and like definitely like the last episode had the fucking big titty Gyaru kaide and usually you know when kaide's in it it's going to be a pretty Erotic scene that's about to unfold in your and you can just be like, okay, cool, right? Kaido's here. I'm gonna have to see some very well animated tits jiggle about, and and then it's gonna be over. But even like like there's like these little placards, little buffers, yeah, buffer cards, yeah. And there's always like some like unbelievably well thought out, considered, but also incredibly etchy animations, like when the one where Mahilo's like in a fucking uh, bunny costume and she bends over and then the hair nicely falls over very realistically and then like the tips of the top of the bodysuit, like flaps down you're like as as
1: jeff would would say like someone cares a bit too much about certain aspects of that and and this is this is this is the core core thing it's like with a big production like this you 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 hope like you can separate the person does this amazing artistry and the person who 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 says I I want this uh, preteen girl in a bunny suit? And, and you hope they're separate people, and, and <laughs> you hope, you hope you, that one of them goes on to great success, and the other doesn't. Um, but they might be the same person, Andy. They, 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 they very really much, might be. They, they very um, well,
2: they very well could be. Yeah, I I like the show in general every episode i walk away being like i can't i'm interested to see where the next one goes and it's healing it never makes me laugh out loud like it never makes me laugh it makes me
1: smirk it makes me smile yeah it is it has no nowhere near the 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 comedy hit or something like shot and on on. but it's not trying to be as well i think yeah yeah it is it is trying for a more more peaceful more healing ambience to it like to me, the outstanding outstanding sequence of the show so far uh, is just like this little um, thing they have on their Christmas episode, where mm. um, they they just do this this visual storytelling. They go to to this this sort of big big Christmas market, and they're walking through. And my hero, being the shut in that she has always been most of her life is extremely uncomfortable being in these big big crowds and everyone's taking photographs of each other and she she doesn't kind of feel feel part of it She, she's nervous in expressing that the fact that oh, I, I want to join in with my friends. And she's she sort of like looking at her camera nervously. Then like one of her friends like but barges over and just drags her into a selfie. And then it's just like, come on, come on, come on. Like, look, smile, smile. And she's like, just get sort of gets into it. Mm. The the friend sort of runs off and, and shows her sister. It's while Mahiro is sort of like nervously looking at the photo. And the sister gives a big thumbs up. Well done. <laughs> and, and it ends with... Uh, just this shot of her looking down at the, the the phone camera with it reversed at her and just taking a selfie, and like that's a really good moment of of showing someone sort of becoming more comfortable with themselves and mm. comfortable as part of a group. It's nearly wordless as well. It's like a mm. a three or four minute sequence with no dialogue and just just visual storytelling. And yeah, there's someone on that crew who is really good at their craft.
2: Yeah, and, and just to focus back on that bit where she takes a selfie, it's like. It's not a steady camera. So you've got a shaky camera, then you've got a shaky phone and then the phone is then reflecting herself in the Mm. phone. But then that is also moving in opposition to the way the phone is shaking. It's like like you said, like a lot of craft and effort has gone into making that shot look incredible. Mm. If this show didn't have... The production quality oh yeah it, it has <laughs> and it and it flaunts all the time i i don't think we'll be talking about it i really don't feel that Undoub- we should be undoubtedly
1: about- if 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 it <laughs> didn't have this production quality we would have noped out in on the first episode and that would have been that anime news network does like a, a weekly collation of the how people's opinions of all the anime each week and so it's a big old list of like 45 45 different anime each season and First week, it's like second to bottom of all all the shows. Week two, top 20. Week, week four, <laughs> top 10. Oh my God. And it's like, I blame no one at all if they watch the first episode of this and go, absolutely no. And, mm-hmm. and all honestly, if you know the premise, skip episode one. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. All you need to know is they're a neat. They get gender swapped by their their sister. And after that, it gets on with being a slice of life show. Yeah.
2: And I I feel that also that that is a public rating that everyone would have watched the first episode noped out. And then the people who actually stuck with it would have rated it higher and higher as it reduces the skeeve and then increases the wholesomeness. It's understandably a polarizing show. And I feel that ultimately I enjoyed it, but I would never recommend it to anyone. Yeah this sounds like your thing and you're well you're you're versed enough in anime to be able to put up with the appropriate sort of
1: early 2000s skeev um i'd say give it a go um yeah the, the final thing i'd i li- just like to say is if if anyone wants to find um maybe some better trans representation amongst the anime uh, most notably one i can't personally speak for but which i know john loved uh, wandering sun
2: yeah yeah. Yeah. Well. Uh, look, I, I'm. I'm afraid that I can hear the sirens outside. I think they might be. They might be. Can't talk much longer, Duncan. Um, it's lovely to have you. But uh, Run, I, I have indie. to. I have Run. To
1: dis- <laughs> Run to the safe lands of Japan, where they, where they will. There'll be so much on My
2: My merch, and I'll buy it all in a second.
1: <laughs> oh God, you're never getting back into the country, Andy. No, not
2: with that <laughs> trash. Uh, no, I'll, I'll keep it. I'll keep it light. It,
1: obviously, you, you, Ben will confirm that uh, he he has requested an Oni My body pillow from you, and I, I'm sure sure you can help him out there. I'll definitely be able
2: to find something. How to how I'll smuggle
1: it across? I'm not sure. Maybe I'll wear it. big onesie. Uh, mm-hmm. why not seems like uh, it would work
2: thank you so much for joining me Duncan and uh, I will I, I will speak to you uh,
1: next month when I'm back from Japan
2: thank you Andy final thought still think I'm right about Nagatoro secretly pretty good ending of the season 2 in your fucking face Ben that
1: showed him that showed him Andy oh yeah goddamn yanks
2: oh yeah thinking
1: they, they, they know they their Sundre Genki girls thank you very much Andy and we'll see you around cheers See you down, babe. Bye.
0: (laughs) Well, uh, to be fair, I do not remember this bet, but I am willing to concede that I'm always wrong when it comes to teasing bully romance stories. I don't know what to really make of Nagatoro. Duncan, Uh, how'd you feel about it? uh, Uh... I mean, that's that's
1: like, asking me to f- feel something about Nagatoro is 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 a, a mighty task, Ben. Because like this, this is extremely extremely broad but shallow hu- humor. Like, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's it's a gag show. It's a gag romance. It's a com rom. I don't know. Like, <laughs> Nagatoro is definitely the comedy to um senpais. R- romance i think like there's definitely one one part of this in the lead over the other once again a, a comedy benefiting by uh bringing in a, a few more good characters to to allow the main two not just to constantly do the same joke and i think that's honestly the secret to a good good rom-com just get the main couple out heck out of there and
0: just have a reasonable <laughs> supporting cast to take up the the weight this season duncan wants to fire all the main characters of all the shows he's watching and just focus on the side characters it's true I, I, but when, uh, girl, just have the have random guy number twenty six be the, the main the, character. That was,
1: that's when you go too far, Ben. That, that's that's <laughs> before his his side characters gone mad. <laughs> I, I think like many many years ago, I actually read the when Nagatoro was like first becoming known on the internet. I, I I remember reading a scan of the the manga, and it, I think it got roughly to this point. And it's kind of nice to actually see how. Over time, they've actually decided that Senpai is not just Senpai. And they they will give him a name. He actually does have some agency of his own. Stops wearing these glasses and starts uh, apparently becoming more
0: attractive to other ladies because of that. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it's... I mean, I am at heart a romantic. I know it's hard to tell from the discussion of the previous several anime, but I'd like to see a couple get together. I think that... Uh, of all the relationships I've seen in the teasing bully subgenre, I think that Nagatoro and Senpai are pretty well matched. I like that Senpai starts being more proactive. Ben's theme is proactive main characters for this season, but man, just the way they stop short of like any hmm. sort of payoff. Like they have a they have a hug. That's that's the payoff for the whole season. For like. For senpai getting his New Year's fortune told, and they're like, "Don't be passive or you'll lose." And he like tries to be active, and we still have about the same pacing as your average rom com. And yeah, I like um, senpai's senpai, big titty senpai, and his kohai, her little sister, uh, big big t- big titty kohai. <laughs> and I like the delinquents. I think they're funny. I think the fact that like Yoshi. The, the one who's just an idiot who just repeats what everyone else is saying is the one who's like, no, we shouldn't inter- we shouldn't interfere with Negator and Senpai, otherwise we're cockblockers. That was great, but nothing came of it, and I guess we'll get a third season. It's probably more likely than uh, than uh, Uzaki getting a third season, but if at a certain point like the stalling just becomes distracting and... Yeah, I don't know. I was I was mostly satisfied. This is a solid B B minus for me this season. Yeah. Nagatoro, I think Nagatoro's jokes are funny. I like the art, although man, it was bad in some episodes. Hmm. And I want them to kiss. And I know, and I think that's the substance of Andy's bet that they that they didn't kiss. But I will always be the fool for that. I always want to believe that <laughs> that a romance anime can surprise me with actual romantic progression. Yeah. So here we are. I think a rom com kind of. Nine times out of ten, tops out at a B
1: plus. Like I don't know. What, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know why that is, but I do feel like that that the inherent desire not to pay off its central plot, not to let that couple get together, does fundamentally mean they they can never be an A A plus because that they always are, as Yoshi so eloquently put.
0: In the author is always cock blocking. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> there are good romance shows, but. But if you're going to make a rom-com, then you can't... Yeah.
1: <laughs> Another shining example of a B-plus comedy this season is Tomo-chan, which, just like Nagatoro, realizes a few episodes in that, you know what? The audience has probably had enough of their shit as well. So it's time to to move on to its its supporting class and let them shine through and be the two true leads of this show, which is Carol and Miz- Mizura, who are basically dumb blonde... And snarky goth girl. Ah, uh, that, that's <laughs> that's what their their templates are. But that's not what they are. Um, mm. Cows is is an enjoyable subversion of of the dumb blonde, half American, half Japanese. Like she she comes across <laughs> as as being bumbling and ditzy, but she's got the best grades. Ah. Uh that character <laughs> she is constantly plotting when something actually does force someone to move forward oh it turns out carol instigated this uh just moment of ditziness actually is the the prod which sets a a set of dominoes tumbling down to so- someone actually doing something meaningful which makes her the perfect like playoff to mizuna who thinks that's her role to get tomo past her inability to confess to uh, Jun and Jun passes inability to confess to Tomo because she finds them both infuriating she can see that they they should be clearly should be together and She's doing her best, but Carol's just far better at it than her, <laughs> and it, d- it deeply, deeply frustrates her <laughs> that, that she's actually getting completely outplayed by someone who she immediately her immediate takeoff as well. You're the you're the, the, a bit of a, a dumb klutz. It's like no secret, secret villain, secret <laughs> sec, secret power behind the throne. It's it's sort of resolution to its arc is that Gundo uh, Mizu. Uh, which I whichever you wish to call her, was responsible for Tomo and Jun's current situation because Tomo came to her when he was younger and said, why won't Jun t- take notice of me? And her reaction was, well, maybe you need to act more girly to get his attention. And since then, she's been so preoccupied with the idea that he doesn't see her as a girl, that she keeps missing that he sees her as a girl. And... Her realisation, like, this is all my fault. All my annoyance with these two failing to get together is, in fact, because I'm actually the person who who said something which gave Tomo this complex. And I think that's more than you get out of most rom-coms, like actually getting someone going, you know what, maybe let them be around each other and slowly find their pace and place together. Pretty well animated at times, though, Pretty standard at others. Good faces. That's obviously an important thing for any anime, mm-hmm. and I'm sure there'll be many gifts of Carol. Her very squishy face. It's like, who has the best smirk? Ah, yeah, clearly, clearly the best character in this anime. And so yeah, I'm I'm pretty happy with with Tomo-chan. As I say, good solid B plus. I know, know Jeff enjoyed it as well, and Andy, he said it was one of the shows which kept making him laugh, and it kept making
0: me laugh as well, much to my su- surprise. Well, it's good to hear. I know that you had a lot of a lot of trepidation when you started, so... I think the thing is, with Tomo-chan,
1: we don't necessarily get a, a resolution to their relationship, but relationships that don't necessarily have resolutions, they have beginnings, and they have progress, but... Mm. There's the, you may not always realise that from watching um, relationships in anime because of the, the glacial uh, place they move on. And uh, there was one show this season where that glacial pace was basically baked in. Because if you call your show The Ice Guy and his cool female colleague, you, you're probably getting the f- fact that this is two characters who are not the most emotionally expressive. I was interested in this because it is i can put it it has a very airbrushed feel to its art at times like it has just this soft focus around a lot of its shots and it's quietly beautiful if you freeze a frame it could be some of the best key art you you can think of Uh (laughs) but it it never does anything particularly spectacular in motion the characters signs are solid they're all distinct um it's like little thing is that everyone is that there there are descendants of sort of ancient Japanese spirits like you've got. He is a descendant from a snowman. There's a girl who is a descendant of a fox. There's another guy who is a descendant of a phoenix. And they all work in this uh, big company. And so it's just the slow, 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 slow uh, relationship of <laughs> him and his love, futsuki and slowly... Slowly, 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 <laughs> slowly, glacially. Glacially even, uh, <laughs> making their way. At the, the end of the show, it's like, oh, it, it's we met under the cherry blossoms, and it's cherry blossoms again. And I'm like, motherfuckers, twelve months, goddamn. Like, I, I know, I know, you, you told me this at the start show, but still, my nickname for the show is Wife Guy because she's. Absolutely fawns <laughs> over her. His like trope is like he's cool on the outside, but inside he's he's oh he, he's so affectionate. And he he gets flushed every time she says something nice to him. Whereas she's she is seemingly cool inside and outside. She refers to herself as stoic and like I I think like that's part of the fantasy it, it's selling here is is like maybe the handsome guy in the office uh has a crush on you Uh, and i don't know if that's the worst thing ever There's assumptions baked in which are to that premise which are not necessarily indicative of any sort of sexism in the author but very indicative of the sexism which exists in just society um maybe that's harsh on the show (laughs) harsh (laughs) on society maybe (laughs) who knows maybe not harsh on society uh maybe society deserves it um (laughs) Society you can take it, yeah. It's a very relaxing show to watch because it's got a likable secondary cast, which, as we say, they all need. And yeah, I think if you, if you just want to <laughs> sit and watch something in the background, like for twenty minutes, end of the day, could do far worse. Like it's it will never throw you a particularly bad or cringeworthy scene. It's always it's a, it's a solid six all the way through.
0: Ben C plus. Well, um. Speaking of slow, but not in a bad way, like you kind of (laughs) implied, I so y'all probably remember me watching Serena Way Back When, um, the archery anime about uh, the main character having target panic, an actual neurological condition that made him unable to hold his bow until he was ready to release it. Um, I liked it. I found it kind of slow, very interior, uh, very focused on the mental experience, the mental and emotional experience and philosophical experience of participating in archery. Um, the boys were handsome. KyoAni was, was, you know, delivering another winner, mm. but overall I thought it was kind of a, a fine episode. Um, this next season, which I don't think anyone <laughs> expected through any the linking shot, at least I didn't expect it until it's like, they're making a, a movie in another season of what I consider to be like kind of a mid tier in terms of handsome boys doing cool sports but the linking shot is is great it's about them facing the fact that just because they they won the local tournament doesn't mean they're ready for nationals it's a very again philosophical show sarune the like feel and vibe of releasing the bow is no longer the theme the theme is uh, ikiai uh which means breath but also means harmony and oneness it's about them trying to become more in sync and they're facing off against a disruptive bad boy team that's kind of held together by spite. And they all shoot very unconventionally in ways that can sometimes rattle their opponents and having these characters talk and try to grow, having several characters who were just like, we've been friends since childhood have to like reassess now that they are adults. And now that they have differing philosophies and in some cases, slightly differing interests, does the friendship still make sense? It's still a very slow interior show where most of the drama comes from knowing that a character is a certain way and watching them react to an adverse situation that challenges the nature of their personality or philosophy. Um, But again, this is something where like, I think it it made Trigun Stampede look so much less uh, in comparison just because this is really about why people participate in archery and what what sort of moral or intellectual or emotional benefit they get from from doing so when the coach challenges the leader of the bad boy team they've been trying to rehabilitate him because he's mad that um his uncle was denied uh, a chance to learn with the teacher who taught the main character and his and his friend um when, when the the bad boys talk about how like, oh yeah, well, I've reached the end of my relationship with with archery, like I don't have anything else to get from it. And he's like, I thought that too. Um, I, I he tells talks about having made a thousand shots in a row as like a almost a spiritual exercise. And he's like, I thought that that would change my relationship to the sport, but it didn't. There's just the hundred the the thousand and first shot after that. Um, so it's really up to you to decide why you're shooting. You don't have to make up beginnings and endings because this is an ongoing relationship with yourself, who you can't get away from. Like you're stuck with you. Um, that's awesome. <laughs> that's that's the kind of writing I want in an anime. And and Vinland Saga was great, but this is really my winner of the season, Serena the Linking Shot, just because, just because. Sports anime that really delve into like what kind of person participates in this in this sport, what they get out of it. How can people with different things they get out of it be on a team together? These are questions that are always interesting to watch anime answer. And I think this is an excellent example of them of them going for it. And hilariously, there's one more episode to go, but it's doing the thing where like the 12th episode is the finale. And then the 13th episode is just kind of like, oh, here's some like slice of life stuff to Mm -hmm. decompress. Um, so I'm sure that'll be good. I don't need to. They could release the worst episode of the entire show, and this would still be, would still be an A plus show for me. I I was I could not wait to watch it every well, single. Where does week it
1: sort of in land in time. terms of its focus on the sport versus focus on the the, the cast between something like, um, run with the wit, run run with the wind, and uh, something like March comes in Like a Lion, where, I mean, obviously one's a physical sport and the other is a mental sport, but um, the the latter certainly has uh, more, spends more time on the interiority of the characters than them trying to perfect a technique. Target panic is interesting because that's obviously, as you say, it's a neurological condition. It's something inside him which he's got to work his way through rather than physical thing he has to build up. And this season, like having a, a... you talk about the the bad boys being disruptive to them is it is it because of like
0: their is it are they making plays which are making uh people disruptive or is it their attitude so there's a lot of things like the bad boys like one of them fires with a slanted bow which is basically like a a de- dying out technique because no one no one uh no one trains for it anymore and he's doing that to honor his uncle who wouldn't be taught um they fire like really, ra- like they all like go at once to like kind of rattle the other team and makes one of them release early. Um, that's why they really have to like go back towards interior experiences of archery to kind of resist these these temptations to shoot poorly because you're so used to the rhythm of like they release, you release, they release, you release. But like the bad boy team in the uh, prefectural tournament, they like all line, they all like draw and there's bang 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 bang, 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 bang and just watching like. Like even the most steadfast character on the good guy team, quote unquote good guy team, like he gets rattled and he like misses a shot which he never does just because like it's not how the game is supposed to be played. So I do think that although these characters do have rich relationships, it is archery is almost always the mediator. Okay. They very rarely talk about not archery. <laughs> so it's it's much it's very much like Run with the Wind. I think um, I think the pacing's a bit different because they just don't have the the two cores outright. Um, they kind of have to do a bit of backtracking and backfill, and I imagine if that if the movie had been translated, it would have been a lot easier yeah. for me to get back into what happened at the end of the first season. Um, but no, it's definitely about these characters' relationships to the sport and how their relationships to the sport mediate their relationships with each other. Uh, without archery, there would no would be no show. But that's fine because Japanese art traditional Japanese archery is is gorgeous, and we have a whole episode with like the. The auxiliary girls who like support the team they go to a tournament and have like a really wonderful like bottle episode about you know these background characters and how they relate to the sport that they largely are observing um in every other episode yeah, I, I, I hope there's more seasons we'll I, see <laughs> i think i've see, i've seen
1: gifts from the the show a few times and uh sakura blog sakuga blog um did a a long write-up yeah. on on the the creative team behind it which was, was very interesting and this is an extremely handsome show in terms of having that that smooth lighting which Kiorani can always be guaranteed to, to provide <laughs> i think i think like that that's a, a, a an easy cheat for telling the budget of a show like if everything is like feels flat then the budget is probably a certain level if there's a sense of light then you know you are dealing with people who give a damn about the those sort of things and are putting a little bit of extra time i've been given well no maybe even uh, it's fair to say i've been given the the time to to do those extras to to say Uh okay we've got we've got to make another pass to to this to to make it to give this presence and this sense of the moment their
0: person is in, rather than them just being cutouts on the background, and and the show is very devoted to like the utter sublimeness, utter sublimity of of making a good shot. Like they pull out all the stops. There are like neon, like pastel neon ripples, and there are like leaves following the arrow as it makes it, and the, the music really comes in, which is like a rush of sound. Once, once the shot has hit, they really—it uh, feels very affectionate when it comes to when it comes to just the experience of the sport. And so, I think there's something there for almost anybody. Um, whether you're a fan of sakuga, whether you're a fan of emotional sports anime, whether you're just a fan of learning a foreign country's traditional sport or something. Speaking, speaking of being lost in a different world,
1: but literally, <laughs> but not um, Ben, because uh, the the although we are about to go into a sequence of three isekais, the first isekai I'm going to talk about is not even a reverse isekai. It is a commentary isekai because the. Endo and Kobayashi Live, the latest on sundry villainess <laughs> liso Lotte, the longest title of the season, thankfully, because any more than that would kill me, was by far the most like intriguing premise to my overindulged uh, mind at the start of the season. It's, it's like, so what if you if you had two people who could do what, the same we do when we're watching every romance and just go, oh, for God's sake, get on with it that the characters could hear them that, that's <laughs> the central premise of this that that kobayashi and endo endo are two uh students who are in the uh sort of uh orbit of the the, the many clubs around the student council and uh endo has been forced to give up um basketball due to an in- injury and uh, Kobayashi has uh, roped him into being a commentator with with her for the sports games. In order to practice, they go, go to hers to play her favorite uh, Otome game, uh, Magical, which. Uh, And in particular, she introduces uh, him to her favorite character, uh, Lysolote, who is a Sundere, an extreme Sundere, the most Sunder of Uh Sundere. And instead of porting them to her world, um, suddenly the Crown Prince, Sieg, hears them speaking. And they're like, okay, we can stop all these bad ends, ends happening. We can go for the happy everyone happy ending here we are just going to make sure every single character finds love here and the whole show is them just basically piloting all these couples who have their various hang-ups and and problems because uh, Kobayashi knows all of their roots by heart because this is her favourite game and she's played it a thousand times okay Sieg uh, this is a latte she doesn't hate you she's she's a sundere and he's like what's a sundere and they're like okay (laughs) I know that joke (laughs) (sighs) and the, the good thing about that is It makes progress. All the romances make progress because that's the central joke. Yeah, there's there's no
0: show otherwise.
1: (laughs) Yeah, there's like a physical incarnation in the world of the the forces trying to stop her, this evil being who will possess her at the end and use her her repressed emotions and uh, her feelings of not being good enough for Sieg to take over her and make her destroy the, the rest of the world because they're all getting in her way and all these... Typical fantasy tropes. And the way they resolve that is, um, Sieg makes gets through to her enough that he cares about her. That when the witch tries to to take her over, the, the, it makes the fatal mistake of saying something bad about him. Uh. And and that's where the the uh, they make one of the worst jokes about that I have ever h- heard. I'm not sure if this is like just the English translation, but they they try and make a portmanteau of a, a sundae and totally. They say it's it's like. T- sundere pissed off it's, it's like <laughs> she, she, she's even describing it makes me cringe and it's just but in terms of like uh what they have the character do it's great it's this manifestation of like romantic regret and hatred it's like no they've actually just told each other how they feel and now someone saying everyone hate, hates you and he's like he's laughing at you and she just goes no no. He's not <laughs> laughing at me. He's he's he, he's good. I love him and uh, how dare you say that about him? I'm going to end you woman. And then, then she just basically solos the the witch there and then and stops it from possessing her. Um <laughs> I think that was worth the, the price of admission. Um the character designs are nice. Lisalotte has perfect um <laughs>
0: Oh, Style
1: um, curls in her hair, yeah. and yeah, it's she's 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 like the perfect design for that, and it it ends with it it going out. Back to Endo and K- Kobayashi and resolving the fact that he is the Sunday in, in their particular relationship and him finally confessing and Lisa Lotte possessing a doll in their world to go across and uh, help them uh, find romance with each other. And the final scene is, a, a, is Lisa Lotte and C getting married and and kissing the bride. Okay, you've you've actually gotten them married by and uh, uh french kissing by the end of the anime good job like that's that's progress that's that we don't see that progress in our actual all full romances and and somehow this comedy romance has, has managed to get not one couple but about three couples all properly happy and uh, together by its end i think ben however some shows we feel like they will never end um that maybe they should have ended a long time ago and
0: that their the, the end has been dragged out. Yeah, the 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 utterly cursed production of Isekai Oji-sen or Uncle from Another World, um, which we, some seasons ago, almost said semesters ago, God, I can't get over this. Mm. Seasons ago, we uh, we praised the first few episodes for being funny, having great spins on Sega fanboyism and Tsundere, before Tsundere became a codified thing that people would impart to characters and then it was put on hold and then a bunch of other episodes aired but not the final one and it was on hold for a few more months and technically Netflix still doesn't have it out but the final episode is floating around out there if you just accidentally through no act of criminal complicity happen to come across it <laughs> and I have to say like, it's it, I liked it fine um, it's, it's hard to give a, a decent assessment of the series because I had enforced multi-month breaks between multiple parts of it and I just don't really have a sense of pacing or momentum. It was nice to get all the characters together and all of them like kind of compare their weird impressions of the uncle. Um, Mabel, the like depressed, rejected, like ice sword girl continues to be more and more uh, neurotic. Uh, Elfsan becomes more and more tsundere. It's, it's a good time. I'm stunned by the implication that they're going to make more of this because it seems like one of the most troubled productions since *Wonder Egg Priority*. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's the 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 thing is like it was. It's obviously one of the most troubled
1: productions, but it's also by all accounts very successful in terms of the numbers it's done for Netflix, and like it got enough people, enough people latched onto its blend of retro and isekai. Let's face it, is probably a fairly wide net cast in terms of the audience out there, but. My God! You'd think that they'd go. You know what? Well, giving this this studio more money seems like a good idea. Like we can trust them to make another uh, thirteen <laughs> episodes of this. That that's that's not going to be a problem at all. I can't see any problems.
0: No, all going to be fine. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I. I mean, hopefully, they have the experience of the past several seasons has helped them work the kinks out. Although. I mean, part of that does seem like it's not their fault, like getting hit with COVID repeatedly. Yeah. It is one way, um, but even without any COVID, were they would they be able to have finished it in a timely fashion?
1: <laughs> yeah. There does seem to be some politics around this in on Anime Twitter as well. Some stuff about alleged outsource, outsourcing uh, uh, to China and that being responsible for some of its... Its problems. I don't know how much truth there is to that because anime Twitter can spin a fair fable at a time. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's I'm not aware, but yeah, it's one where I feel like they're probably speaking to the, the issues that plague the industry at large. Like there's there's somewhat in the problems with the fact that every anime is trying to fit itself within a tiny, tiny budget with an absolutely immovable schedule most yeah. of the time and no leeway at all. And whether this is an example of just the the old ways causing this or the, the new ways causing this is, I think, where the dispute comes in. Is this because, oh, we've changed things? We've changed the way we're producing anime and that's caused these problems? Or is it actually it's just that the way you make anime what maybe worked when it was 10, 15 shows a season, but now there's 40 plus shows every season that maybe it's time that some
0: people start taking a reassessment of these industry right. practices. And wages haven't risen in the meantime, the shows have increased yeah. and therefore theoretically the available work that people should be, should be competing over. I don't know. I, uh, there are definitely lots of people on anime Twitter very eager to point to isekai oji san as, as a unique problem by an uh, by a incompetently run studio um, and these people seem to do it every time at least once a year there's there's a well regarded attractive high budget high high prestige looking production that has some sort of horrible experience. And it's always that just that studio happened to be horribly run and normal studios. This doesn't happen. this doesn't happen at. Mm. And uh, as, as a critically thinking person, I begin to wonder if it's a regular occurrence and there's really no way of knowing if a beautiful show will see its final episode or melt down, be delayed and have to uh, finish itself up in an OVA, <clears throat> Dragon Stampede. Uh, But no, that wasn't a bad, that's not fair. I I just have personal animus against them. (laughs) But but yeah, you have to, at, at a certain point, you have to start thinking systemically whether or not anyone else is willing to acknowledge that because it does seem to be a problem that we just have these production meltdowns more and more while like stagnating salaries, abusive conditions, every production having to run to Twitter to find emergency key framers, uh, because oh, someone yeah. worked themselves sick or had to drop out of the progr- production for some reason, it's yeah. I I'm not willing to 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 opine on that because I can't read Japanese and can't like get it from the horse's mouth. But yeah. it does definitely seem like this is a systemic problem being passed off as just poor management for a few studios, which it's possible, but it it seems fairly endemic for that to be the case i don't know i'm speaking out of my ass yeah i mean ben like (laughs) the final show i'm gonna i'm gonna talk about is a show
1: which takes these isekai tropes and says what what if it wasn't a a power fantasy what if, if the the thing you gained by going to another world was actually people valuing you and your labor and that is handyman and Saito in another world which me and John talked about at the season start as just being a very funny gag show, where it's just every episode six or seven little sketches tagged together by a vague na- narrative, and which out of seemingly nowhere, from just like five or six episodes of of just constant gags, decided to tell the the story of how like an old man ended up losing his daughter and then <laughs> his and coming back to her on her deathbed and and someone sacrificing himself for his love all these ra- random bits of deep deep emotional trauma uh, eventually leads into a find, found family narrative in what had been a, a something which was just happier and making jokes about the fantasy world's unit of measure being the uh, an ancient king's penis. <laughs> they save it for a moment where you're not expecting it, where it's, it's actually just been a, a a moment of emotional catharsis and then they make a they make a dumb dick joke and it's kind of good at sucker punching you that way and and th- that's I think my big recommendation about this this sh- this show is that it knows how to use humour to make you let your guard down for drama and it knows how to use drama to make you let your guard down for humour and it, it plays those off really well it, it, you n- are never quite sure when it's going to shift gear from one to another and so it lands so often that I am have been frankly surprised because there's no big budget to this there's no no stars it's just a, a good solid tale of someone who was basically dispensable in in our world, and who goes to another world and finds just these these basic skills he has get him an in end point, and then from there who he is and how he acts are then allowed to shine through. It's, he's allowed to find a, a community who values him not just for what he can do for them, but for who he is. And Anisakai being concerned with not superpowers, but just a community and a family is a, a, was a really nice change and yeah I, th- I feel like we're obviously deep in isekai subversion cu- country but uh,
0: oh yeah we have konosuba and-
1: spin-off coming next season which is the only thing i'm actually excited for <laughs> and season after that we got re:zero season 3 yep, that's yep. announced now so yeah the the the, the big the big boys and girls are coming out to play, and uh, those ones will be finishing off their arcs, and then I'm sure we'll get a jobless reincarnation and coming back, which I will watch just because the studio, as we have noted with in my discussion with Andy earlier because the studio just are astonishingly good <laughs> and it's frustrating um, and I, I can't wait for when they they break up and they, they go off and as, as, as does That's have That's some evil energy to put out there Duncan <laughs> <laughs> No but it's the circle of an, anime life Ben like every studio eventually bursts forth new studios where uh, people go and make their
0: the type of anime they want to make You're supposed to pretend to be sad about it and not that you don't want it to happen not that you're like I can't wait for this iteration of next to break up so they can start a better studio somewhere else. No, I get it. I get it. You want to see these people doing well um, and not making Jobless yeah. Reincarnation. Well, I, I just want not
1: to. I, I want. I want to believe Ben. There's people in Studio Bind who who are like, okay. I'm glad it's that guy doing the the animations of a lolly's crotch. I I want no, nothing to do with that. I, I'm just here doing this, this amazing um, sakuga of of a cat pondering his way across a a living room and this tremendous sixty frames per se- second <laughs> at ed. Uh,
0: those fuckers over there. Yeah, I'm glad I've got my cubicle in between me and them. But um, so so your so your theory is there's just like. A really like perverted man in 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 this studio, and if they just got rid of him, then the shows would cease to be perverted. I feel I feel that's a tendentious argument. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, no, no, Ben, Ben, it's not an argument. It's a hope, <laughs> and hopes
1: are irrational and need nothing to back them up, boy. Because yeah. it, it, like, <laughs> I I just want to be able to enjoy an anime without having to go through a mole or hand wringer. And to ask myself like, what is this cost? What is the wage on of this upon my soul? Um I, I, like that would be nice. And may, maybe next season I can have that. Maybe if I'm lucky. Um I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be
0: watching Konosuba, so I'm definitely not gonna get to have that. <laughs> it's true. Uh, very true. The wages of sin are death, and the wages of podcasting <laughs> are bad anime. Ugh. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you liked it more because it did definitely sound like a it sounded like it was suffering from, like, early 2000s webcomic-itis, where you wrote a good gra- gag script, and then you're like, oh, I've gotten, my art's gotten better, it's time to tackle more serious issues. No, and it, it, it never- didn't turn into Control-Alt-Delete, thank God. <laughs> um, it had, like,
1: a tragedy, and the way it dealt with it was, was that the tragedy was was doubled down on, because... He- this wizard, who's who, he, basically he goes out. He's he's working too hard. He comes back and he he thinks his his daughter's just got a, a is a little unwell. And she, he'll go away on this quest. He'll come back. She'll be fine. Comes back. She's passed away, and he he deals with that by doing exactly the same again. He goes out on another quest to to try and do it and meets this um demigod who basically says to him right clearly what you're not actually looking for here is a way to bring back your daughter you what you're actually looking for is just a way to forget that you your guilt so i'm mm-hmm. just going to make you forget that your daughter and your family yeah. and, and that and that's why anything that's why this this ga- gag granddad who in the early all the early bit we think is okay he can't remember any of his spells that's cuz his life and his early stuff was so uh tied into his family and his his daughter he can't remember any of the stuff which, which which he learned when he was around them so he's he's got like big chunks of his memory missing and they they sort of resolve that again with found family that like he's found a new family and that that allows him to sort of reconcile himself with his past and not no longer uh, hide from the tragedy of that to accept it, and so regain part of his his memory relating to that. It's, it's kind of like a nice way of taking a, a what was a jokey trope about someone and saying this is a this is how it happened and actually playing it off to some end. Admittedly, it does then go to a plot where a demon dog bites off his penis and uh, they have to go on a quest to <laughs> to uh, get, get his penis back. Because Otherwise, how will they know how long anything is? Indeed. Because he had died and uh, they couldn't fully resurrect him without all his body parts. I mean, it's. I told you, Ben, it went went to
0: very different ends of a spectrum and yeah i I think i'm also just feeling like the coffee crash that i i I took so i pumped up enough to yell about trigon stampede
1: i mean i i
0: take i take your word for it one of the things that i've definitely noticed with this podcast is like the view from inside is different from than the view from outside when you're watching an anime and you can like try your best sometimes to explain why something is good um and it's hard because a lot of it's just in the gestalt of the whole thing. And I believe you that that uh, Isekai Handyman, or whatever he's called, uh, is... Anderman Saito. Yeah, uh, that, it, that that does happen, where like it is a good mix of of comedy and drama. Uh, I certainly would like uh, more comedy slash drama going on in some of the shows I watched this season. Uh, not Vinland Saga or Tsurune though. Should we call it there? Mm-hmm. Let's call it there. Tune in next month. We'll be doing beginning of the spring 2023 anime season. Got high Mm -hmm. hopes. It's going to be a bit more exciting than this one. Or maybe it won't. Maybe I'll be mad forever. We can't say. Anyway, rate, review, and subscribe to us on the podcast platform of your choice. Find us on Facebook, search for Keyframes Podcast. Find us on Twitter at Keyframes Pod. We're getting some engagement out there. And thank you to everyone who tweets at us. Uh, email us questions, keyframespodcast at gmail.com. If you suggest a topic, we will probably do it unless it's something fucked up, uh, in which case we probably won't do it, but maybe we will. Who knows? Take that shot. Uh, and most of all, tell a friend. But not just any friend, Ben. Tell a friend who
1: has had to leave the country because of his questionable anime tastes (laughs) and lure them back with more wholesome and uh, Koani-approved shows, which will enrich their life and make them better people rather than a dirty, dirty
0: scumbag who has to run run. Run far, Andy. I'm so. I'm, I'm, I, I do not want to like find like weird reformed Andy who has his hair parted properly and on, and only really enjoys My Hero Academia or something. I nightmarish. Speaking of, well, say goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye.